So you're stuck in quarantine, social distancing, being a responsible adult, and you're thinking to yourself, what is there to watch? What is on Amazon Prime? Well, I'll tell you, Scott and Crowley, a comic book adventure is now on Amazon Prime, locally produced right here in Lawton, Oklahoma, by Option D Productions. Two average nerds, Scott and Crowley, accidentally find the rarest comic book known to man, only to lose it minutes later. As word of the rare book spreads, Scott and Crowley must race against every elite geek in town to get it back. Scott and Crowley was an official selection of 2018's Comic Palooza, an official selection of SuderCon, an official selection of 2018's San Diego Comic Con International, and a winner of Best Feature Film at 2018's Fly Film Festival. Along with tons of other awards and things, check out Scott and Crowley, a comic book adventure now on Amazon Prime. Hello and welcome to the podcast that explores the heartlands entertainment industries. I'm Brian and my guest co-host slash just guest today is Mr. Lucas Ross, comedian, actor, musician, extraordinaire. You got dude, you do everything. Well, I do um none of it very good. You just spread yourself thin enough. You just keep People busy. I had somebody come up to me after a show once and said, you do like six different things. Have you ever thought about being good at just one of them? <laughs> <laughs> and he meant it kind of as like a, he was trying to be inspiring, but he it was, was trying like to be, that was his it inspirational. Was a real, it was a real Have you ever thought about sucking at just one thing? <laughs> no, he was like, just think of how good you'd be. And he continued. He's like, just think how good you'd be if you just did one of those things. And I was you like, you don't want to do just one thing. No. I was like, I, thanks dad, but whatever. <laughs> And if you're watching on YouTube, you can also see that we have some Ross honey. Wow, I didn't know we were going to be on the internet. This is pretty cool. Yeah. We, some yeah. Stuff. So I stole this from my parents. You can add beekeeper to your laundry list of things that I, you do. I, I can, but not really. I mean, I, I tried to get out of that business before I was even 11, I think. So what all do you currently do? Uh, I... I've been working in Oklahoma television for, man, like maybe 15 years regularly. I I do Rise and Shine, which is on Channel 4's sister station. Excuse me, not Channel 4 anymore. Now they're News 4. Oklahoma's News 4. I don't know. They got to change it like once every, you know, three years. Um, My key works when I get it. That's all I know about it. But I I go (laughs) and I do the morning show there. I do Rise and Shine. And then um, I do local commercials and uh, some TV and film that might fall into to work here there's and there's so many good opportunities in oklahoma it's just been really cool to watch that over the past decade uh and then i i office um as of just about a year ago today um at the american banjo museum which is the only museum in the whole wide world can you know contribute or uh, dedicated 100 percent to the banjo and it's in oklahoma city we have this cool treasure and a lot of people think it's a weird novelty so cool. and it is no, it's 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 really it's incredible. really sick. I mean, like they even had a Kermit exhibit in there. They yeah, we and we still do. I I it, it will be up for uh they've extended it for another half a year. But uh yeah, like all these banjos and what's cool about that is it's a neat kind of a beacon for the instrument where celebrities and uh, major Grammy winning artists will come here. And a lot of people here in Oklahoma don't even know that like Bela Fleck and John McEwen from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band are just hanging yeah. out here um, all the time, and they love it. It's this, this hub for uh, bluegrass so and, cool. and uh, all styles of banjo players. So I'm very fortunate to get to work there, and it works great for me. 
Oh, it worked a, out great for me and it was in my own backyard. I didn't have to leave yeah. to go to Hollywood to work at the Banjo Museum. Well, I definitely want to talk about that that concept of staying here in Oklahoma as opposed to moving out to the coasts to pursue mm-hmm. uh, a career in the entertainment industry. You know, you, since you, you do a lot, uh, just a wide range of different things, you know, this episode, usually we kind of hone in on one topic. We're just going to yeah. hone in on you, man. Well, I was really hoping I could just talk about my timeshare um, opportunity I have for your viewers. Okay, let's listeners. let's do it. Let's talk about it. Uh, I've gotten into a little bit of trouble. I bought a big plot of land in uh, around Chickasha. It's kind of swampy, and I need like if I could get twelve dollars and fifty cents from every one of your listeners, that'd be great. So if you go to Patreon.com/slash Lucas Ross, is in a bad situation. Lucas is in a bad situation. That's really why I'm on here now. I'm doing bad, Brian. I'm doing really bad. That's why you got to be careful about buying land. Well, man. it's. I just didn't read the fine print about it. It's really swampy. It's good. The water, you can stand on it. It's, it's good. Let's just by say, water, you mean gators? You kind of. Well, they, they put the can in contamination, so ah. it's like a good thing. Ah. Did I answer all your questions? <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, take us back. Like, I, I'm curious about your overall journey because it's been okay. lasting for forever. Aren't we all on this weird journey together? Let's, we're just on this weird revolving oh, globe. I'll tell you the short version. This is the six-hour version. Uh, but my, okay, so my <laughs> It's going to be the world's <laughs> longest episode of Okie Show it's Show. It's going to be great. Uh, and it's all about the timeshare. It's all going to come back to that, so just make sure you're paying attention. Now, I'm from Minko, Oklahoma, which is a small farm town south of here, and my parents are beekeepers. My grandpa started the honey business in the 1930s, uh, early forties and moved it to Minko. Um, after the war, a lot of clover and cotton and, uh, uh, alfalfa was being planted around that area. And he saw an opportunity to be able to make honey off of it. And he became the largest honey producer in the state for several years. My dad married into the business and then they had kids and I was the oldest and we made a honey commercial when I was in second grade. And I was like, this is so much more of what I want to do. And Which, I know Larry Bledsoe, he was an, he, he's an Oklahoma personality for years, and he used to do a Southwest Ford commercial. And he'd go, they go, that's incredible. And I go, no, that's Southwest Ford, Southwest 59th and Penn. And he produced our honey commercial when I was in second grade, and he let me hang out with him and, and uh, the, the news people and everybody uh, during the day. And it was like, I just loved it. I love this idea. You can film something, and you could put it out there for everybody to see. And it changed me, and I, I was, like, obsessed with TV and that kind of thing ever since. I was like, this is more so cool. for me than the, the bees. <laughs> I'm getting out of this bee business. <laughs> you, this you guys can go mind your own beeswax, and I am I'm going to go. I'm going to go gonna, into the big city, see? And I'm going to become a star, see? <laughs> yeah. You're going to cut out all my bad jokes, right? <laughs> this episode's going to be 30 seconds. <laughs> right, yeah. No, you, you sent me a link to that commercial, and it's, first of all, totes adorbs. <laughs> because you, you are itty bitty. My, my glasses are huge. They're actually like the same size. And I realize I'm wearing about the same model as I was you, in like 87. You've been wearing the same glasses could, for 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're huge. And so it's me and my brother and sister. And it, they filmed it at one of the local news stations. And uh, in like the way it works, is the same way they do it now. And, and years later, these are the kind of commercials I'd have to make on the side. I'd get to be allowed to make on the side whenever I was working. <laughs> oh, no, I've, I have to. <laughs> I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, at Channel 4. And it's these local commercials where it's like, hi, I'm Bill, and I have a pickle stand, and here's my phone number, and I'm in my own commercials because 
the station told me this would be a good idea. And it, it's not <laughs> yeah. bad. And it's these charming local commercials. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a Mathis brother when I grew up. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, credit Jewelry Cowboy. Remember that guy? Oh, God. He was great. The Credit Jewelry Cowboy. Oh, That's man. a deep cut, man. I know. Hey, I'm not messing around. And he was great, too, because he would just be walking in a field and not even have to show you jewelry. And he made a whole career out of it. That never made any sense to me. This rugged, man, dusty good. man. Well, because he figured out his audience. And it was, you know, I lost my horse about a mile back. And Credit Jewelry helped me find my horse. <laughs> and they also helped me yeah. find something nice for my wife, too. So I was like, Credit Jewelry will... And I never thought, like, did they get other calls from people who are like, hey, Credit Jewelry, my horse is gone. Can you help me? Yeah. You help the cowboy on TV. Look, I'll buy a ring. <laughs> I love, like, their target audience was, like, you know, grown old men yeah. who were just L- looking at their wives the and going, I don't know. I don't, and then he <laughs> made a great career out of it. And, 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 uh, and RIP, he, he, yep. he lived a good life. And, and, you know, so I saw those local commercials and stuff, and that's what we made. So it was a local commercial, and the whole idea was it was supposed to be a breakfast setting, and my mother was going to, like, pour honey on biscuits. And the idea with these biscuits were supposed to have steam that was going to come out of them. And, of course, they were cooked and shellacked, like, the night before, so they weren't hot anymore. <laughs> and all the, the production guys are just standing around there. And, and now it's funny because work, I've worked with these guys before. They've, just, they've worked in it for so long, and they're very talented. And they're, some of them are burned out, and some of them are tired. And some of them are just like, I know what the expectations are, and this is all we need to do. Or yeah. this is how we can do this. Anyway, they were trying to figure out how to make steam come out of these biscuits. And I'm, like, eight, and my sister and brother, we're all sitting around this table, and this guy leaves and he comes back and he's got one of these like leather like aprons on and a big mask these gas masks and a dropper and a coffee mug and he goes y'all kids don't breathe this (laughs) he he dipped the this concoction on the stuff and is like like this weird i don't know what he went and mixed some like (laughs) cleaning supplies yeah (laughs) And so just go cook some meth real quick and then just going to drop it on these biscuits. That's exactly what it was. (laughs) You were there. And the biscuits were amazing. If you see, first off, my mom went and got her, she got her hair all fixed and everything like that. All you see is her hand. She's not even in the commercial. The three of us are terrified. Well, my sister and I were older. My little brother is probably like a, like a year and a half old. We're terrified. My sister's eyes are as big as dinner plates just looking at this biscuit like, we're going to die. This is how we die, and they've got it on camera. <laughs> and so you can't even – we've watched it a million times trying to see if we can see the smoke. And I think a couple times we're like, I think I saw like – we couldn't see anything. <laughs> it's just a figment of your imagination at that Me, point. Yeah, meanwhile, my little brother Marcus is just sitting there <laughs> just breathing like nothing and – that was my first commercial experience, and I yeah. didn't know how true like that and educational that was. And I don't know. I yeah. tell people, it's like you learn no matter where you want to go in this road that we're on, and the in arts and in trying to make it, like film or music or whatever it is, you you're gonna take what you learn, uh, whether it's a skill or something or just an experience, and it will be applied to something in your life. And I had no idea yeah. that I was really learning some things. I'm gonna go back to whenever I was two, and mostly, and that is whenever I was shooting commercials. Now is don't mix chemicals and put it in front of a child. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I would not have known that. Yeah. I would have done Rule it every time. number one in filmmaking. <laughs> I would have constantly been mixing chemicals and yeah. just putting them out for people uh, that to You would to have breathe. been your number one thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, and I... I <laughs> whenever I watched that commercial, I was like, why does this music sound really familiar? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess it was license-free and all the local stations would use it because another... <laughs> Very famous, and I didn't know this for years. Well, it's clever because it was another Ross 
that <gasps> used that music. I never thought about that ever. I uh, like. I was like, this sounds familiar. I know where this is from. Ah, oh. the joy of painting with the Bob joy Ross. of painting. That's right. And like these weird jazz chords. Yeah. It's like when you want to buy local honey, there's one family in Oklahoma that's just crazy enough to shoot a commercial for it. <laughs> buy our honey. Oh, and I remember it could only air because that was the way that the stations get you. And they, I mean. Airtime costs a lot more than the production. So they'll be like, hey, free commercial if you buy airtime. Like, okay, great. Yeah, we'll do that. And then they realize it costs a lot if you want your commercial to air at a time anybody's going to see it. And this is back yeah. before the internet, this is before anything like that. So TV, really, you would get your, your, uh, there wasn't a lot of stations. This is like early cable, probably. I'm an old, old man, Brian. <laughs> and, uh, and we were smoking. All the kids were smoking. <laughs> All the kids were smoking. <laughs> uh, they like, you could have just had us just blow the smoke on yeah. the biscuits. But um, but the uh, the I forgot what I was saying. I, I envisioned my little brother smoking a cigarette at a year and a half. And a train of thought just lost, yeah. derailed by chain smoking. And I also children. forgot to take my ADD medicine before I did this class <laughs> because I wanted to be really hyper for you. And ah. It's gonna catch me. And sorry, you're I, our, our hyperness will meet. Oh, good. Okay. Don't mess with your meds, kids. That's right. I mean, I'm my my blood is coffee basically. Oh at yeah. This point. Oh yeah. So how did you go from uh, chemical-induced biscuits mm -hmm. to working at Channel 4? It was one step, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in Minko, there wasn't like a lot of chances to perform or anything. And so we'd have talent shows. I would do that. I would like impersonate Steve Martin when I was like 12 years old. I'd get a white suit and put an arrow through my head and do comedy. And I wouldn't understand why people weren't roaring and screaming for me like they would in these old... You know, he was putting out... He was the first comedian to really put out these arena size. Oh, he was uh, huge. And what a cheap travel. He had no band. He had like one prop and two banjos, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It was money, total money. Anyway, I would go and I, I performed those and wouldn't understand why the people uh, didn't, didn't laugh like they did there. And I realized, oh, they just weren't high. That was uh, it. Uh, no, it's because I, he was famous and whatever. So I, I, but I always had a fascination with Steve Martin and, and comedy and stuff. And then, uh, and I was a mascot. The Minko Bulldog. That was the only chance I could perform regularly, so I hung out with cheerleaders all the time. There you go. So I had that going for me. And um, I did... So my junior or senior year, somebody talked me into auditioning for theater in Oklahoma City. Jewel Box Theater. They did an outside production of Bye Bye Birdie, and I got cast as a comic relief, the little nerdy guy. And ever since then, it kind of like... Chuck Tweed was a director. He just recently retired from many years at the Jewel Box Theater in Oklahoma City, and uh, he gave me, he kind of let me cut my teeth on that, and it just snapped. And that was a great role, because yeah. I didn't have to sing or dance. I got to get drunk and kiss a girl, I think was my two big parts. I was Hugo <laughs> yeah. Peabody, ah. and I stayed a nerd after that, and, it, and it, it worked out great. I went to college and did some plays and stuff. I went to Oklahoma Christian University. In my senior year, I studied film in Los Angeles, and then got an internship at that 70s show, and I took in a lot. I got to learn a whole lot in the industry really fast, and in between that time, I was like working on trying to get, like I get my headshots taken, but I was too scared to actually go get a, a try to get an agent or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, so I went out and I, I did the LA thing for a little bit and then came back and uh, my now wife, who was a cheerleader, so it all hey, came together. Cheerleader married the mascot. Uh -huh, jokes on her. <laughs> um, sorry, Ob. But um, we, uh, 
we ended up just staying in Oklahoma because like the, the, the housing market and things crashed and, and, and all my friends that were working in LA still couldn't even get jobs to suffice in between because there were strikes, there were writer strikes and acting strikes and stuff. Yeah. And then because I was in Oklahoma, I started getting cast in the stuff that I wasn't getting when I lived there because I was this novelty. Oh, you're from Oklahoma. How fun. Right. And in yeah. LA, nothing against your LA. I'm sure your LA viewers out there, but they would ask us, they would ask me all the time. They're like, you're from Oklahoma. So like, do you tr still travel? I know you don't all the time because I've seen cars and pictures, but do you have a covered wagon or do you regularly travel? God. And I was like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I live in a teepee. Well, that's what they, they'd say. Do you, I heard you have to have a police escort to get through uh, Native American reservation areas. I'd be like, yeah, yes, These are stay out of my state. <laughs> Good Lord. These are the woke people, by the way. You, you know they are. Yeah. You know what's funny is like California is made up from people from all over the place, too. Oh, yeah. And they act like, oh, I'm from L.A. No, you're not. You're from Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Uh-uh. And if you're from LA, you're trying to get out and you're done with all these. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's great. I had some great experiences there, but, uh, and I still have some of those good friendships. But being in Oklahoma, I started, uh, I, I, I got a local agent and I, I landed on a couple of local commercials. And then uh, working at an ad agency landed me at Channel 4 and I started doing uh, on air stuff there. Um, and then just I'm still, kept doing more and more and more. Your current job at KFOR. Still, is it KFOR still, or is it Yeah, yeah, it just could be that. Okay. It's news for KFOR, channel four, four, four. No channel. No channel. Just four. Yeah. Just the, just the number. They claimed the whole number. Well, they did. They own it. <laughs> they have a patent on mm -hmm. it. So, <laughs> Probably. like, your job at channel four baffles me, because you're not a reporter. No. Like, I think I am on paper. <laughs> I, I'm a, technically an entertainment reporter. Mm-hmm. For tax purposes, for them, probably. I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah, right. This oh, guy, obviously. I fly so low on the on the <laughs> radar that I've got job security there for two reasons. One, I don't get paid enough to like, you know what I mean. Until they get mm -hmm. down to the nitty gritty, and they're like, oh, every time we go shopping, we always buy. I had my position described to me one time. It's like you know when you go to the grocery store every month and you always get the same things. And you always get saltine crackers. And you might not even eat them, but you always get them because you always did. And then one day you're like, you know what? I don't really know if I need these saltine crackers. That's you. <laughs> How is that supposed to make you feel good? Yeah. And did you call me a cracker? <laughs> All right. Come on, Dad. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you create a very large percentage of entertainment on the morning show, which by the way, what time do you get up in the morning? Well, everybody thinks because like the news in Oklahoma starts <laughs> like at 4 a.m. now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they're it's daylight all like, saving stuff, so now it's three. Oh yeah. Or yeah, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't come in until right before seven now. I oh, go wow. from seven. So the show for, uh, my show starts from seven to nine. Ah. It's from seven to nine. And I walk in like sometimes two minutes. I was putting my microphone on today, like as they were, the camera was tipping over this because it's all filmed in the same studio. So they yeah. end one newscast and they literally, you can watch it. If you flip over right at seven on 43, you can see the camera is turning. Sometimes they leave it over there and you can see them all bad mouth. No, just kidding. They're great. They're all great people. Oh, Everybody's guys great. over there, <laughs> but we are kind of like the little brother. That's just like, uh, this show, <laughs> but it's got this charm and we have this weird fun viewing base of people that have become this community and real neat people that you get to know. And I, re and that's what I get to do is I get to read Facebook posts, which 
are crazy God in this day and age. Yeah. Oh, I have to, and I have to be really careful that I don't like, you just think, oh, this is fun. A kid dressed up like something for Halloween, but now it yeah. means something. And yeah, you can't now, like, oh, now just, you're accidentally outing this child as appropriate yeah, I mean, some uh, culture. Right, when well, I'm giving an example. <laughs> you're like ruining right. his life with a smile on your face. Well, and recently we had like Halloween. People were sitting in Halloween costumes. Somebody dre- dressed their kid up like the president. And you don't know uh, if it's to mock or to support or whatever. And used to, it was kind of like, hey, I'm going to just do a thing, yeah. whatever. But now it's like, oh, this is what you're saying. Because it's, everybody has to be so right, extreme. Yeah. Well, that's how those powerful people stay in power, as long as all the people aren't getting along. Yeah, that's yeah, true. there, I said it. If we start getting along <laughs> with each other, it's going to make them nervous, because then that's when we can mutiny. What do they do? Yeah. Right. Ugh. I, you know what? You want to run for office with me? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Gilliland and Ross. <laughs> and we'll start banjos. a shoe company, too. That sounds like a shoe Ooh, company. For let's some just reason. do the shoe company. That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah, forget politics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so, anyway, we'll yeah. Whatever souls in a different way. <laughs> 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 I like it. <laughs> I love the delayed. <laughs> Took well, a second. Me a little bit. Uh, uh, so. Golly, you've been you've been doing Channel Four now for golly, 12, like 13 years, maybe. Oh my gosh, almost thirteen. Boy, that's way too long. It's and I was, too long. I've oversaturated this market like several <laughs> years ago. Way, 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 way too much of me. Well, on TV. I one of your legacies, and you have many. Oh my! But one of your legacies is Sweet Brown. Oh man! And. The world knows Sweet Brown as the the lovely person who I've run into several times. Yeah, always at the liquor store, <laughs> <laughs> and she's a lovely person. And she, she is. The whole family is so sweet. And uh, yeah, that was really interesting. So, what's the story there with Sweet Brown? How did you well, make Sweet Brown famous? I, I well, I didn't. I just. I remember they showed her story and her her on air rant, and I wish people could see. I have the full cut, the whole <laughs> thing. And what she did after they cut away is so much, so funny. And, and it's, it's just her, because it's 100% her and charming. And she's, she's very intelligent and a very well-spoken person. But she, she made so many, so many funny comments. And if you don't know what we're talking about, just I guess it's still on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. But everybody was yeah, talking about Yeah, to catch it. the audience up, just in case you don't know who we're talking about, look up Sweet Brown on YouTube. It's the uh, Ain't Nobody Got Time For That. Yeah, and it became a, such a phenomenon, I guess, and they, I, I just put it on Facebook because nobody else was sharing it. And I wanted to show some friends. I was like, you got to see this. I love, I, I think she's great. Yeah. And it got shared a lot on my Facebook page and just kind of exploded. And so I was getting credited with this whole thing. And then people were like, well, he works at the station. This whole thing's fake. Maybe she's fake. Maybe all this fake, is fake. news. And I was like, people <laughs> Sweet give Brown is fake news. <laughs> people, give, people give news stations way too much credit. <laughs> and not that they don't have the intelligence to do it. There's no time. There's no yeah. time to think that, like that. It's That would be a marketing, that would be a genius marketing move. Yeah. And there's executives that would love to be able to, but you don't know what will go viral. You can show yeah. something. And it, the timeline, it could... You could discover something now that was literally from decades ago, and now it's like really funny because it's ironic or whatever. Yep. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was kind of crazy. I had Jimmy Kimmel's uh, people were contacting me directly asking me oh for permission, gosh. and I said, "Well," and I had to. I asked the news station, "Like, what do you want me to do?" And I remember one person said, "Do not delete that video," and that person was Linda Cavanaugh. <laughs> and I was like, "Legendary okay. Linda Cavanaugh." She knew. She's like, "Yeah." And so, um, but you know, I will say this: it kind of was a negative 
thing for, for me and, and I'm sure for her too because a lot of people were using her image without her permission and stuff and I would talk to her for a while and it kind of turned into it. She had a, a, a family member that was her, acting as her legal advisor who I felt like I was kind of getting, I'll be honest, I was kind of getting targeted a little bit and they were trying Ooh. to use me as like I had this, like I was making all this money off of her and I, I oh, didn't no. at all and yeah. I was trying to help them set up like maybe a YouTube. If she posted like a video one a day, she could, I mean, you oh, could really yeah, make yeah. a lot of money with YouTube and stuff. I just from what I know, and I don't know that much about it. But um, it wasn't. I had to kind of stay, step out of the way. I, I went forward and tried to help uh, raise some money and try to help them out um, to try to. I think at one time to relocate or something. And I knew her son. He, I was trying to like work with him on getting scholarships and stuff because he's a he wants to be a musician at the time. I don't know yeah. what he's doing now, but really neat family. But it kind of turned it turned really sour to where I would uh, call and they were. Just one of those things. They were getting misinformed, I think, and I didn't yeah. have the information and didn't know. And so time passed, and it was, like, really bad. And so anytime I'd go anywhere and I'd hear that, I would just cringe. And it was, oh. seriously, we, I think they, the tour of Spamalot came here, or, or Lyric did Spamalot, and one of the throwaways, like, they always do something that's a local thing. They're like, the home of Oklahoma City, Sweet Brown, ain't nobody got time for that. And everybody in the theater looked at me like, <laughs> you did this. You. And I was like, oh. And it made me sick because oh. I was like, I didn't want these people to hate me. And she did. Yeah. They they thought I was this devil and this oh, person. No. And I hated that she didn't, you know. But I have reconnected with her. I ran to her daughter one uh, a couple years ago. And she said, no, we found out. We were getting bad advice from somebody. Yeah. And we were sorry. We listened to them. And so if they're out there listening, a sweet I think you are so wonderful, and I just wish the best for her. And I, the last I heard, she was they were doing something. She was marketing some things, and she had restructured to where she was getting the money she should be oh, getting. Oh, good. And I had to step out of it. It really stinks, but you know, for both my job, I had I couldn't jeopardize my actual position there. And right. Otherwise, it turns into everybody wants to be on camera thinking, if you're going out to film any story, which I don't do news, I just shared a thing. But you know, yeah. you run into that thing where everybody's like, oh, I want to do you, that you're too. You're going to make me famous. Yeah, and then yeah. I get paid. And right. so- that's just, an unfortunate thing that I've noticed um, about sometimes when things go viral, uh, people assume that, you know, because now you are famous, that the fortune comes with that fame. And oh, so, yeah. And, like, people kind of, like, start jumping on and latching on to it right. and stuff. And, and it's just and, kind of an unfortunate human nature thing, I think. Right. It's just sad. And I, uh, you know, I'm glad to... Well, I don't really know what else to say about that. I feel like Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. But uh, I, I am grateful that I have a better, I kind of personally have some closure there, but it was yeah. it was well, pretty good. bad. I'll be honest. It was like pretty upsetting for a while. And really? People online just don't understand and they would attack you and people rile up stuff and just- That's to, why the Because internet... people want clicks. They just want clicks. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's why the internet is awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be, the thing is, it can be so great. YouTube is, I feel like YouTube is wonderful, not the comments section. Yeah, and I like that you can now just like not even let it be commentable. Oh, but that's good. the thing good. is, that's, that's where wonderful. it makes money. It's uh, where it makes yeah, money because people click and whatever. Anyway. Uh, so tell us below how much you hate us. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So in a second, we're going to talk about your musical journey because, oh, man, when I first met you, I think you had just picked up a banjo and now... You're playing with the Oklahoma Philharmonic pretty oh soon. Oh my gosh. So we're going to talk about that in just a second, right okay. after these messages. Grandson, I'd like to read you a book. A book? That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a very special book. A book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today I'm going to read it to you. Now, chapter one. 
Altgate is a commercial insurance broker with film and entertainment expertise, headquartered in Oklahoma. Uh, Grandpa? At Altgate, they're experts in film and entertainment insurance. Like one time we were shooting down in a valley and a monsoon came out of nowhere. Within minutes, the whole set and all of our equipment was underwater. But guess what? You had production insurance? We had production insurance. Another time we were shooting in a historic building and a grip sent a sea stand sailing right through the priceless painting. Boom! Oh, jeez. Did you have... You bet your small coffee keister we had production insurance. Are you, are you reading that book? Aldgate Insurance has the same access to insurance as a broker from New York or L.A., but they're in Oklahoma, you see. That means you get the Oklahoma film rebate and local people available anytime you need them. B but I have pink eye. Check them out online at oklahoma-film.com or call them at 918-574-4555. They place annual policies for producers of all types, post-production E&O, and specific film project policies for budgets of all sizes. And they work with musicians, too. Placing insurance for gigs and events of all types. Can they get annual policies for production companies as well as one-off insurance for a single production? Sure as shooting. No matter what's your budget, whether it's a five grand budget or a $15 million budget, Altgate Insurance can help you. And they can also find you coverage for post-production errors and omissions. And you're going to need it in order to get your film distributed. Gra Grandpa? Yeah, kid? I kind of feel like we should call Altgate at 918-574-4555 for our movie's production insurance. That's 918-574-4555. You're a smart kid, you know that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. The end. Hey, hey, Grandpa? Yeah, kid? That, that was a weird book. Actually, it kind of felt more like a podcast mid-roll ad. But maybe two weeks from now you can read it to me again. As you wish. And we're back here with Mr. Lucas Ross. Him and his banjo, because you've been playing banjo for Lord knows oh, how long. It's about not. What time is it? Uh, it's, let's say it's 2019. You nine start. Years. Nine, nine years. Nine years? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, years. 2020, because this is coming out Ooh. in 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah. Future Ten past. Ten years. Ten years. I started playing. I had a banjo in high school. I had access to a banjo, but I didn't know how to tune it or play it really. Yeah. There's no internet. I didn't know what the fifth string peg was on it, and I thought you tied your banjo, your strap <laughs> to it. I played it with a penny. I tuned it as an open chord so I could just like strum. I didn't know that's kind of close to a banjo tuning is an open. Yeah. And I would imitate Steve Martin at like local talent shows and stuff. And then years later, my wife took me to see him when he went back on tour, which I never thought I'd get to see him in person, much less uh, perform. And he started doing his bluegrass stuff about two, about 2009. Yeah. And uh, we went and saw him, and I was like, I'm going to get a banjo, and I'm going to meet him. I'm going to spend a year learning to play banjo, and I'm going to meet Steve Martin. So I, spent, I started on his birthday, August 14th, 2009, and spent a whole year learning to play the banjo with the goal to either master enough of the banjo and meet him. And a whole year went by, and I learned to play banjo, but I didn't meet him. Oh. But I met him four days later, there which go. is really weird. And I was like, man, I should have set a goal that was like, find a million dollars. Yeah. Then you like, would have been a millionaire. And I've been scared to ever make a goal since then because it was like, yeah, it was what are What are the odds of that? And now, like... My goal is to find a million dollars by the end of this podcast. By the And it'll and be somewhere it, in this couch. It might be three days later, and that's okay. Yeah. Yep. Delayed... You know, delayed gratification is yes. a good thing. 
<laughs> well, it's the name of my new kid's album. Delayed gratification. <laughs> well, and it's crazy because like now you and Mr. Martin, like you guys kind of talk a little bit on Twitter. It and stuff. appears to be that way, but not really. I mean, he he if he knows who I am, that would be uh, just terrifying for me because it would not be for a good reason. <laughs> it would be because I'm on some watch program. Right. Um, are you, are, see, I, for me, I'm terrified. I have a rule that whenever I'm, I'm working with somebody that like I'm a big fan of that mm-hmm. like I don't, like I can't interact with them because I'll, yeah. I'll turn into goo. Like, you know, and I, I, I've got to interview, like I love Weird Al. I got to interview him once. Yeah. And I, it wasn't my, don't go watch it. I, I, <laughs> I forgot I was talking to him halfway through and I was just listening to him. I was like, oh my goodness, I have to like ask him questions. And, <laughs> right. and oh, I just I'm, stopped <laughs> in the middle on live TV and I was like, are we still doing this? Is this happening right now? <laughs> And at the end, I was like, I can't believe this happened. And he was like, me too. And like, hug it. He was so great. And totally, yeah. But, I, but Steve Martin, you know, I was like, okay, okay. And I've, I've got to meet him now three times, three separate occasions. And I still have not actually <laughs> talked to him because I just go fluff. Like, I don't. Yeah. The first time my wife and I met him was, by, was uh, after a show in Tulsa. And uh, he walked out and he was like, do you want a picture or something or autograph? And I was like, I just want to say, hey, maybe take a picture. Hi. And he's like, yeah, okay. And so we're talking. And I was like, just stand next to him. And I go, you tweeted me once. <laughs> he's like, what? And I was like, oh, nothing. He's like, what'd you say? And I said, you tweeted me the other day. Because he responded to a tweet. I had like yeah. said something. on. I think it was a video. I talked about him on Channel 4. And I posted a video clip of it. And he watched it and wrote back, hey, thanks so much or something. So he's like, well, what did you? Well, well tell me what you said to make me write back to you. And so we started kind of talking. He just kind of paused and he went, are you the, and got cut off. Oh, he goes, are no. you the guy? And this voice from across the parking lot, oh, this backstage no. this, goes, this old guy went, Mr. Martin. <laughs> Shut up, in, old guy. In 1985, my son gave you a demo tape. <laughs> Have you got a chance to listen to it yet? Oh, no. Steve Martin looked at me and my wife and he was like, <laughs> and looked over at them and it was this great Steve Martin moment like he did, does in his movies like we're just like huh but it wasn't that campy and he looked at me and Aubrey and he went and shrugged kind of like uh. and that was a great moment there because suddenly I wasn't the psycho guy that was yeah up. yeah so that was good and I had you that. were the normal guy yeah, in the moment, room he just kind of looked at me kind of like and we were like this is great okay fine great fine got to meet him Got to say hi. Didn't shake his hand or anything like that. Whatever. Yeah. But fast forward a few years later, I was seeing him with Martin Short, my brother, and I got to see him and Martin Short together. I wanted to see that show so bad. And and it's there's a Netflix special, but it's always different. If you have a chance to go see it live, don't think, well, I watched the Netflix special. Go see it because Martin Short's energy is incredible. They should just charge him up, and he could cure all of the (laughs) energy issues in our world. And Oklahoma uh, energy people would be totally behind this. They could just hook up like- a human nuclear reactor. Yes, they could just hook up like, you know, little clippers onto his knees and his ears (laughs) or something. And he could power the entire United States. Yep. He's great. And Canada. (laughs) Um, The show was great. And so we were seeing him, we were in uh, practically- Texas. What's the casino? Windstar? I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we were it's there. Like right on the border. Right, right, right. And uh, Byron Burline, the amazing Byron uh, Burline, the fiddle player. Yeah. And, and I, he and I kind of I become friends, and I got to have him on. I interviewed him a couple times, and I've sh- shot some videos with him and played banjo with him. And I bought this my banjo from him. And he, uh, after the show was over, he stood up, and he was sitting right in front of us the whole time, this tall, white-haired Legend. I mean, Byron Burline is really the legend. In fact, Steve Martin opened for Byron Burline back in the 70s, the mid-70s. Oh, wow. He did a week at the Troubadour with Linda Ronstadt, Byron and Linda Ronstadt, and Steve Martin was their opening act. 
And so he oh has this whole neat story about him in his bio, autobiography. And you know, he's somebody you should to totally talk to. He's a great guy. So anyway, he was going to go backstage to give him a copy of his book. And he turns around. He's like, are you going backstage? Did you get one of these backstage bracelets? I was like, no, Byron, I'm nobody, man. <laughs> and he's like, and he knows I love that I, that I really admire Steve Martin. And he's like, well, let's see if we can sneak you back there. So he just puts his arm around me and starts going. And there were some like other guys that, that saw me and I felt all these hands on me. Like I was being rescued <laughs> no. from some like, I was like, I'll come back for you. Like, see you later, suckers. <laughs> so I go backstage and I realize I'm the only guy without a bracelet on. So what is a guy who's obviously supposed to be there and definitely has a bracelet on? He puts his hands in his pockets to not show you his bracelet, right? You could have been part of the CIA. <laughs> that was my improv. <laughs> so I was back there and I was like, I'm, this is a ticking time bomb and I am the I'm the thing here. Something bad is going to happen here. <laughs> and it's going to be but focused Bi on you. you. Know, Byron's Byron. He's been doing this for so long. He doesn't care anymore. So the security guard walks up and he's like, hey, man, where's your bracelet? And I was like, I don't have one. And he's like, I'm sorry, but it's totally strict. And I was like, yeah, I know. I mean, I've, I follow Steve Martin's career. I know how it works. <laughs> I'm he, on your side. <laughs> I was like, I, I totally get it. And I was almost like hoping. It's like, yes, just get me out of here before this gets bad. <laughs> and Byron puts his arm around me. He's like, don't you know who this man is? <laughs> He's on Freedom 43 TV. <laughs> and I'm like, Byron, we're like in Texas. This guy does, doesn't mean anything here. In fact, if we were in Oklahoma and he did know who I was, that would prevent me even more so. He'd be like, oh, yeah, I know I you. I wouldn't have gotten into the show at all. Now you extra can't come in. Yeah, extra can't. <laughs> and he, <laughs> and so Byron's like, don't you know who he is? He's on Freedom 43. And the security guard looked and he was like, hey, listen. I'm so sorry. Go right in. <laughs> it worked. And Byron goes, all right, buddy, you're on your own. And pushed me. And so I was out like, so I, I, I talked to a few people. Martin Short was like levitating around in a bathrobe. I mean, he had his, his costume on. He's just dripping wet from how hard he works on stage. Yeah. He's 60 something years old. And so oh, great. Gosh. And there's Steve Martin. So Byron introduced me to him. I got to shake his hand. Byron introduced me to him. And I said, you, uh, you tweeted me because <laughs> it had been another occasion. I was like, why do I keep bringing this up? <laughs> I really like, want Steve Martin to know I, that he tweeted me. <laughs> all I wanted to say to him is thank you for inspiring me for my comedy and for my music because I've made so many great friends like Byron and, and because of this instrument. Yeah. And, I, and I've got to find things I never would have without Steve Martin, kind of being that gateway. I didn't get to say it. And so that was fine. And a few minutes later, I'm kind of hanging out. About 30 minutes went by, and I took a picture with them and everything, and it was all good. And the security guard kind of pops his head in and is kind of like, hey, come here. And I walk over there, and he's like, uh, and my brother was there somewhere. He's like, hey, your brother's looking for you? And I was, like, and that was his code of being like, you got to get out of here, or I'm going to lose my job. And uh. I was like, yeah, okay, that's I get it. So I was like, shoot, I'm like on a watch list now because I've been removed from a backstage yeah. here with Steve Martin by security, and I don't know, hopefully nobody saw, but everybody sees when the security guard comes into a room. <laughs> And removes and a person. Out, yeah. And I'm that guy. Yeah. And now so, there's a restriction. Well, <laughs> so now I work at the American Banjo Museum. And Steve Martin, we they have a working relationship. He's done some things with us. Johnny Byer, the executive director, and he have worked together. And, and we brought his banjos here a few years ago. It was so cool. Oh. So just recently, Steve and Marty because I can say that because I hang out <laughs> with them all the time. They were here for their, for their concert at the Civic Center. And, um, and he was like, I'm going to come to the museum. And for like 10 years, they've been trying to get him to come to the museum. Even when he got inducted, he couldn't make it because he's just busy. And you know, yeah. he's at the time of his life, he's got a kid and he wants to, and if he doesn't have a job that brings him right next door, he can't justify it. And I totally get that. Yeah. He doesn't have to do anything. He's Steve Martin. <laughs> so uh, he's going to come to the museum. So we were going to close down early that day. Uh, and I was going to get to be allowed to be there. And I told him I'd be on my best behavior. They're like, yeah, we know you're a pro. We've seen you with Weird Al. I'm like, don't watch that clip. <laughs> and... 
So I was like, I'm going up early because I got, I remembered I have all these Steve Martin pictures on my wall and I've got like concert t-shirts and things that were, and I was like, so I don't want to remove all the yeah, evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I gotta, I really don't want to, cause I'm getting like anxious and weird here. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, I totally and get it, got, man. Hopefully, and I'm sure he doesn't even know who I am or remember me. I'm praying that he doesn't. But, so I go up two hours early and I pull into the parking lot and I get a phone call from the lobby inside and, and Margie, who works at the museum, says, Lucas, Mr. Martin just came and just left two minutes ago. He came way early. Oh. And I was like, what? He came through in like 20 minutes and breezed through because he wanted to see it and he took a bunch of pictures and really it was the best scenario because he came in flew under, a, there was a little band that was playing on the stage. I had no idea this guy walked up and started filming them. And then they were like, well, that's Steve Martin. You know, yeah. it was really special. And there's this yeah. one elusive, I'll, I'll get, send you this picture you can use for whatever. You can, yeah. I don't know if you edit this, but there's a picture of him through a doorway walking in. It's like our own Bigfoot version. It's like, you can tell it's Steve Martin. He's just <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> and he's blurry for real. and hairy for some and reason. And that's it. We didn't get any other pictures of him. He took a picture. But, uh, you know, so anyway, I missed him. That's so cool. But that night after the concert, I had tickets to go to it, and uh, I ended up on a list to go backstage and meet him. So after all this time, after two times of kind of running into him, one time almost illegally, I was finally on the list. I had permission. I was going to be there. Finally, you were meant to be there. Mayor Holt was there. All this was going on. So I get there. It's my turn. I get to walk up. Steve looks at me and goes, ah, I hope you're not a criminal. <laughs> and, I was, and everybody busted out laughing because they all know the joke. And I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, he knows. He knows my obsession with he know, it. He's like, and saw he my office. He tweeted me. And that's the thing, he saw my office. I didn't get to. <laughs> oh no. It's, I'm missing everything but the red string that's like tying everything together. You yeah. know, like those obsessed And like things. a knife through his face. No, that's there. <laughs> yeah. That's there. Uh, anyway, that's so. How, that's what catches the door. So I tell people I got. To meet Steve Martin, I got my picture taken with him, and I got his autograph on the restraining order. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Oh, boy. Would you like to play a banjo tune I for would. Us? You know, um, I brought my little five-string here. I have a song called, I, if I can remember all the words. You edit it out if I mess up, okay? This, <laughs> I'll make it sound perfect. This is on a, a kid's album, but it's not really a song for kids because it's so vulgar. No, it's just like... It's just weird comedy that's like, why would you sing this on a kid's album? But it's to entertain the parents, too. And I don't know. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to love, like, the jokes that I didn't get on The Muppet Show, but I thought it was super cool because, like, I don't know what this is, but adults think it's funny. So this is a song called Local News, and it's all about <laughs> local news in Oklahoma, pretty much. Okay. But it could apply anywhere. All right. And uh, let's see if I can remember it. Uh, it's about the local news reporters and what they have to go through because I've witnessed a lot of it. And while I am not one myself, <laughs> right. I can, uh, you know, I feel for them. So this is their anthem, and don't tell them I sing this song because <laughs> they'll hate it. This is local <laughs> news reporters, not by Lucas Ross. Right. I am your live local late breaking news reporter on the scene and the story. Here with the most exclusive scoop for you And if you'll follow me on social media That would really help me out I'm credible This is local news There's a deadly household item We told you to go buy last week But now it's been recalled Cause it's bad for you We'll tell you how to get rid of it And we'll take credit for saving your lives Tonight at 10, if you're still alive by then I am your live local late breaking news reporter On the scene and the story Here with the most exclusive scoop for you And one more thing about that deadly household item You don't have to be using it for it to kill you This is local news 
now when it's snowing you know it's cold when it's snowing but there's something that reporters do we'll go outside while it's snowing and stand outside while it's snowing to show you that it's cold i don't know why but this is what we do i am your live local breaking news reporter on the scene the story i hope i get an emmy for this and if you wouldn't mind bringing me an extra pair of socks my pinky toe just fell off it's okay it's on ice this is local news Local reporters have a heavy burden to bear They have to write and do their own research And have perfect hair Sometimes it's hard to find a story to share But you can't have dead air oh, Am I still on? <laughs> Local news roll call These are all real stories Alabama, a man gets arrested for getting drunk And trying to shoot the moon California, a woman gives birth, fights bees, and causes an explosion. Talk about a baby boom. There's a lot of bad puns, too. Idaho, a man and a brother get in a fight because one ate too many peanut butter sandwiches. Alaska, a woman gets in trouble because she complains at a restaurant because her sandwich has too many pickles on it. Washington, D.C., a plane had to land early because of an escaped emotional support pig. Oklahoma City, some idiot on live TV falls trying to dance a jig. That last one we made up. In Florida, oh Florida, we don't have time for all the crazy stuff in Florida. You're your own song there. Something you could feed your cat. Meow. That won't just make him fat. Meow. It could hurt his feline belly. Meow, meow, meow. We'll tell you how you feed him right. But not till next Tuesday night. This really happened. When I first started Channel 4, there was a promo that was like, what you could be feeding your cat that could kill it. We'll tell you what it is. Next Tuesday at 6, and people are like, you tell me now. I care about my cat more than my children. It was poison. It was actually poison. They were just saying, don't feed your cat poison. <laughs> I am your live Belief breaking news reporter on the scene of the story. Hearing the most exclusive scoop for you. And if you feel yourself dozing off, please don't turn your TV off. We'll entertain your pets. We'll take any viewers we can get. Hey, this is a no-goal news. If I hit any wrong notes, just delete them. That was amazing. I love it. Uh, I'm so freaking glad that we finally got you on the show. I've been show. wanting to work with you on this show for so long, so thanks for having me. I hope it's not a big letdown. No, this is awesome. I want to talk a little bit, um, before you go, I want to touch on Lazy Circles, because you got you and your oh, brother man. Marcus have been working on Lazy Circles for God knows how long, You know, I think it's I, hysterical. I told you an early incarnation of this way, 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 like a night we were jamming together or yeah. something, and it just had started coming together, and it's been a long journey, and it's still, still a long trip, but yeah, it's just, uh, it, it would start off just kind of a pilot episode, or a, like a two-parter opening episode for a season of... Uh, little comedy show that we shot in my hometown in Minko with all local uh, people playing themselves except for myself and my brother. Um, and I play the mayor <laughs> and I play uh, an 80 something year old uh, weatherman that's from the town. Who's like their hero. And in Oklahoma, we know that like our weathermen are heroes to us. You know, <laughs> you got, you got small towns that have more churches than stop signs, 
but they're still worshiping weathermen and listening to them first. <laughs> and one day they're heroes. And if they mess up a little bit or if it's wrong, then we hate them. It's so, oh, Oh, goodness. dude, we, we turn on our weathermen. So I turned on one of our weathermen because well, he you know, got just, me and my wife killed one well, day. And here's the thing. It's like we all have free choice to do these things. And they're, <laughs> they're telling you what they know as they know it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm not making light of any of those things. But, but I, the weather's I, but unpredictable. I think it's so fascinating. So that's part, there's an element of that in the story. And then I also play a uh, 57 years young female librarian named Nadine Chitwood. C-H-I-T-W-O-O-D, Chitwood. Chitwood. And uh, all the names, all the characters uh, are inspired by different experiences we had in our small town and then working in television, local television. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it's really struck a nerve. We've got it. It's been sent off to a lot of people. Kristen Chenoweth watched it. She reached out and she's like, could I see this? So we're like, yes, we'll make, make her own copy and send it to her. And she wrote back and sang so cool. praises to us. She's so sweet. Um, we've had, uh, it's gotten sent all the way up to, man, I've never said this on any kind of recording. It got sent to Lauren Michaels at Sarah <gasps> Live, what? which is terrifying. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what will come of that, but it is finally, it's released on a, on a, on a platform called Breaker.io. And I don't know why it's IO, but that's what it is. Breaker.io. <laughs> that's the IO, cool you trendy can, new yeah, thing. You can just go, if you, if you go to fit, like if you're, I'm assuming I get to plug it here. So oh yes. If you'll yes. go. You know, no. <laughs> you, can, you can go to. LaceyCircles.show online. It's the internet. It's the only website you need. Delete all the... Okie Show Show and LaceyCircles.show. There you go. And then you don't need any other internet. Trust us. It's just a bunch of trash yeah. out there. Everything else is just dumb. Uh, except all- my wife's nonprofit. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> saving children. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So my wife started a nonprofit like around the time I started doing TV. And it's great. She, she re- helps... Her. I'm going totally sidebar here, but... No, it's a totally she's fine. She's rescuing children. She's helping this... Uh, she's not... She's helping aid this uh, orphanage in Africa, in Ghana, that's helping re- uh, rescue these destitute kids that are either kind of in uh, present-day slavery that's over there with yeah. fishing boats. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and just helping them get an education and changing the culture there. She works with them. It's not like Americans coming in like, hey, we're going to fix all this because we're doing so great at home. Have you been watching the <laughs> yeah. news? Um, let's Dick, share our wisdom with all of you people. <laughs> there's a there's a group there called the Village of Hope that has been working so well with that, and uh, she's just formed this relationship. I'm actually going to go with her to Africa again next year oh, to so do that. Cool. And I've taken my banjo over there. See, that's where the banjo's from. Yeah. It's, it has roots in Africa, and so it's this really weird full circle that we were both doing this thing that kind of links that's together. So but uh, I tell people, it's like, I'm riding her coattails into heaven because She's getting in. You're married for, to Mother Teresa. Well, right, yeah. And I, <laughs> but I know when I get there, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we know her, but you, we know you play banjo. We've got you booked downstairs in eternity. You're going to be entertaining in hell for a while. Oh, you have an accordion? Oh, bring that. You'll do nights. You'll be doing perfectly well. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's been a... It's been great, and the Lazy Circles thing is fun. We're hoping to get to make more episodes, and uh, we've got to pitch it to some some networks and some companies. But we just well, honestly, our goal is to get to make it here on our terms in our own way, and and get it funded enough that we could pay local uh, people like you and and actors to work on it here. And yeah. not nothing against the other system. It's like you know, so much entertainment comes from the coasts, and they make all that stuff for everybody in the middle states. And mm-hmm. it's like we have an opinion about. And I'm not saying this is the end-all, be-all show. It is, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> kind of awesome. And we made it thinking, like, is anybody going to even like this? But it screened really well for New York audiences. People in L.A., I thought, they're not going to like it. And they loved it. And I was like, well, oh, that's are great. we just making fun of Oklahoma? It's like, what do they think? So we showed it in Oklahoma here at the Tower Theater. Yeah. And they loved it, too. And the coolest thing, the reward that I get is I get to watch these people from different parts of our country that's so divided right now. Yeah. And they're all laughing at the same things for the same reasons together. They're 
and they don't know what they have in common. And it was like, okay, maybe we're That's doing great. something accidentally here. And I don't know what it is, but hopefully we can uh, keep telling those stories and getting to work here. It's ah, a dream come true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I thought we would play a trailer so that the, uh, the audience can see for themselves. So this is oh, the my. Lazy Circles trailer. This is interesting. So for the for the viewers on YouTube, you just got to watch the <laughs> the trailer yeah, for Lazy Circles. Pretty weird. And I would suggest uh, for the listeners on uh, iTunes and and abroad, go check that out because oh, it's thanks. freaking hysterical, dude. Oh, man, thanks. You know, it's one of those things we made it. We made it kind of for ourselves, and it struck a nerve. People, there's some people that that like it, and want us to do more. I love seeing locally made comedy that not not just locally made comedy but really good locally made comedy is like we have a really interesting voice that's very unique well you, we do and, and what i really like about that is oklahomans really connect with some of the jokes like oh my goodness but there's a there's a big finale at the end where you see this local news promo that's made by these new news guys that come in and it's like oh man these are and it's kind of it's not making fun of it's just an echo of what we have become used to, <laughs> yeah. but it's not the same in other states. And so it's not to make fun of us really, but it's like, I feel like the jokes that we can laugh at ourselves mm -hmm. and we can do that. And, uh, but we have this, there's this pride people have in our show when they watch <laughs> yeah. it. They're like, yes, my grandma bo burned books. <laughs> not really, <laughs> but uh, I, it's really fun playing those characters. And I never thought that playing a 57 year old female librarian with a neck brace and a windsuit was going to be my favorite character I ever yeah. got to perform, but it kind of is. And uh, we get to, when we do some of our screenings, she shows up live and protests it. She's picketing oh it because she doesn't like how her town was painted. And she thought she was made to look a fool. That's so great. Man, um, I want to kind of leave on, uh, let you leave on somewhat of an um, inspiring note for the listeners, for the young people that, um, you know, are, are wanting to get into the entertainment industry and are, you know, kind of follow the footsteps of Mr. Lucas Ross. What would you, <laughs> <laughs> what would you tell young people that kind of want to follow the Ross Don't model? Do <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Ryan Belgrat and I, uh, when we started doing two movie guys, we would go to the state fair and like sign pictures there with the Channel Four like credible people. And he was, like people would get in line to meet Kevin Ogle or something, and then he'd switch off with us, and they'd get up there and see it was us. They'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> oh man!" <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this lady walked up to us one time and she said, "My daughter wants to star in just one movie. It's her goal to star in just one movie, and then that's it. How does she get to do what you guys get to do?" And we weren't doing anything there, but we're just like, how do you? So Ryan, without missing a beat, said, you know what I did? She's like, yeah, what did you do to get to do this? He's like, I went, actually, to the state fair and stood in the same line that you did. <laughs> and I asked those people, hey, what do I got to do to get to do what you do? And do you know what they told me? She's like, what? She's like, they said they went to the state fair. <laughs> 
and they got in line and they waited and they asked that person and you know what that told them and she kept getting closer to the table like what, what is the answer and he said they went to the state fair and it went on and he just did it as long as she finally just kind of faded away and just disappeared and i was like that's what i always tell people so how i got my start is i listened to this podcast <laughs> Exactly. Um, you can get your start right here. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. And you know this. Learned to do every single, as much as you can. The only reason I got to be on TV is because I learned how to do one thing and that was fill time. And I could be trusted that I wouldn't do something that would break the rules or, or hurt, you know, the, the station. And so I learned how to edit my own stuff. I learned to write my own stuff and film it. I mean, we were literally setting up our camera and hoping it was staying in focus and going in front of it. And then editing until two, three in the morning to show a four second long little funny video <laughs> once a week that we didn't know if anybody was even watching. But man, it was a, it was a real lesson. You learn and you do enough of those things and you keep doing it. People will see that. And then when they're ready, um, for you and they ask you if you ever have that opportunity especially in this business if somebody asks you what do you want to do do not be this is the safest place and it is a and i and i'm so bad about this myself but there's this and this shame or something it's like well what are you going to be i want to be an engineer like oh well that's so impressive what do you want to be like well, i want to be an actor <laughs> oh my met like for a job you fool <laughs> i was like Boo. you're my advisor <laughs> everybody has their own path to get to do what, what they do. And if you're doing something that somebody else can, did, well, they're already doing it, yeah. you know? And it's yeah. not to say, well, like there's a lot of different ways to be a musician, but if you go out to try to sound exactly like this person, why aren't they just going to listen to them? Yeah. And, and what you're doing right now with your podcast is so unique and you have a, a perfect niche here with, with what you're getting to do. And so for somebody to come and say, hey, I want to do exactly what you do. In fact, I want to do your exact show and I want to do it. <laughs> right. And can, uh, can I just do it right where you're doing? And can I have it? Yeah. Can I have what you do? I, I turn into uh, the Daniel Day-Lewis character on There Will Be Blood and I'll be like, oh, you'll yeah. be my competitor. <laughs> <laughs> milkshake. <laughs> I will drink your milkshake. I wish that was still like as catchphrasy as it was about eight years ago. Let's bring it back. It's like... <laughs> um, can we name that pod? This is a, yeah. This, I this will is drink your milkshake. milkshake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm still not answering your question. So I would say this: if somebody, for somebody that's wanting to do it, learn how to do. If you're, I'm guessing, want to do something in the entertainment business. I always say I do not want to work in broadcast news. I'm not going to work in TV. And when I was in high school and we were doing school videos like Channel One, when Anderson Cooper started. Oh, yeah, Channel, Channel One. So oh, that, my gosh. Minko, yeah. that was a big thing for Minko to get. And we had those huge TVs hanging there that, <laughs> I mean, could literally fall out and kill a child. <laughs> you know they were held up with, like, the weakest bolts. And they're just like, put that in. Okay. So we would watch the, the news and, and stuff. So we'd make our own. We could also make our own news programs. And my senior year, we were doing all these comedy stuff. We were doing SNL sketches and stuff. And the lady, um, the, the lady, the teacher, who was happened to be female, I believe, um, Melinda Morrison, and she's so such a good friend. But she kind of helped me get to do that and saw this opportunity and what I was interested in. And she, but she was like, you can't do these stupid videos. You got to do it like the news. And I was like, man, nobody, kids don't like the news. We don't watch the news. They want to do the behind the news desk and learn how to do it. And I understand yeah. where they're coming from. And it was the idea of you have to learn the rules so then you can break them accordingly. And that's what I, that's why I did. And she's like, you're never going to get a job working in, in news here doing it. I was like, I'm not going to work in news here. <laughs> And so I went to college. Little did uh -huh. you know. <laughs> yeah. I went to college and I was doing the same thing in the broadcasting class. They're like, you got to do it like this. And I was like, I'm never going to work in this. And they're like, well, there's no other place. And I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to do comedy. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So now whenever I see them, they're like, hey, remember how you said you were never going to work in broadcast? And I've been at yeah. Channel 4 for like, shut up, years. Carl. And I also go, hey, but also I, 
still making stupid videos. I found a way. <laughs> I had to learn the rules, and I'll say all that just so I can stick it in their face. No, I say all that so I can... I had to learn the rules, and I had to learn how to do it all. I had to learn how to set up the camera myself, write myself, edit, and and produce something that could literally just... As at the end of the day, just fill time. Right. And I learned how, in the same way when I was like in middle school, I used to ask for permission from the powers that be to make morning announcements and tell it joke. I feel like I'm still getting to do that now. I've befriended the people that are in charge enough, and I fly low enough on the radar that they will let me go on TV and do some kind of fun. And it's yeah. turned into a thing to where now I, I don't deserve to get to do that. And people on TV are not any special or more different. <gasps> And the people watching, yes, I said it. <laughs> Don't tell all those egotistic. Except for dun, Linda Cavanaugh. Dun, dun, Linda is Linda better than everybody yeah. else, and she's so sweet and wonderful. Maybe the entire Ogle family. <clears throat> oh, they're so great. And Linda, literally, she she gave me a lot of neat opportunities that she didn't uh, have to do, but she's just a good person. That's why you yeah. get to work for over 50, 40, excuse me, 40 <laughs> yeah. years in the business, and she's a very kind uh, person. You don't work that long being a jerk. Well, <clears throat> and she she and she had to do the same thing and, and talk about that like I had nothing to climb over she was a female trying to work and be taken seriously as a reporter she had to learn how to set up cameras and how to edit and how to write her own stuff and she wasn't given any real help there yeah. like you got to prove yourself and that's really it you have to kind of be willing to do it and now the cool thing is is uh, no matter how old you are kids are able my kids are editing so much more advanced than I did. I was hooking up two VCRs oh, in high yeah, school, dude. you know? And all I We're living to do, in the future now. All I we wanted are in to the do, future. I wanted to be able to put credits on my movies. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't have that ability. The computers just weren't ready for it. I didn't have the system. That's all I care about is putting credits on. The thing that we fast forward past that we don't even want to watch now <laughs> yeah. is what I was trying to do. Anyway. But, I, but you learn how to do all those things, and um, you have such a great outlet right now that you can do that. So for anybody that tells you you can be anything, you literally can be anything you want. And if you thought that was a lie, like, oh, you told me I could be whatever I wanted when I grow up, but that was a lie. No, it's it, that was a lie because we didn't. those adults didn't know how true they were being. You can literally be anything you want now. Yeah. If you're a kid and you're like, I want to be a dinosaur when I grow up, you can be a dinosaur now. You can go get an inflatable dinosaur costume and do barkour. Barkor? Barkor. Hey, it's, barkor. it's Bob, dinosaurs bark, right? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, it's a dinosaur that hosts. I'm a, a dinosaur game. wolf. It's a dinosaur that ho that hosts a game show like Bob Barkor. <laughs> yeah. This is a, my joke that I'm asking you to delete. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the only thing in this whole it's, podcast. No, it's like somebody might ask you, "What do you want to do?" And don't say just whatever, because you're not here just to do whatever you're here to do something that if, if you're, and it's okay if you want to do everything, if you don't know what that is yet, but if you have a passion inside you, that's like, I really want to be a dramatic actor. I really want to do makeup. I really want to do music. I want to, I want to create something. Just be honest and, yeah. and have that. It's scary to make that commitment. The same way that I made a goal to meet Steve Martin. And I was almost scared. <laughs> I like filmed myself and I didn't show it to anybody, but like I, on camera with a banjo. This is my first day doing banjo. I've got somewhere. My first day to ever yeah. play banjo, and I'm going to spend a year playing banjo, and I'm going to meet Steve Martin. I made that goal, and I made it audible, and it was embarrassing and scary to say, but it's okay to tell people what you really want to do yeah. because that could very well... The reason they're asking is because they want to lift you up. Mm-hmm. And they want to know what's out there. And they might not have that job for you. So just because you get to maybe work on a, you get to do some extra work or help out on a movie or something like that. And somebody's asked, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. I want to be a comedic actor. Like, oh, okay. Well, that person might not be working on anything funny for a year, two years, 10 years, five years. But, but they might remember you whenever they are. And like, hey, I knew that guy that yeah. did this thing. 
And, and out of all the things that I did, it was taking those chances, just making something that was mine and putting it out there. And years ago, I shot this little video of me playing the accordion around my hometown. I called it Welcome to Minko, and I'm playing Country Gardens. I'm just playing all over the place. And I did it to distract my mother. She was preparing for my sister's wedding and just kind of having a stressed out day. And I was like, let's go shoot a video around my hometown. So we were around Minko shooting this little video, and I edited it together, and I just put it online. And people started watching it and liking it. It was this weird little charming I guess I'm saying it's charming. I don't know. It's weird. But two years later, there's a meeting at a car dealership in Oklahoma. And one of the guys wanted to pitch me to do it, to be their guy. And, uh, uh, he said, I'm going to show him that video that you did of you playing the accordion. I was like, that doesn't even have me talk. Like, how is that going? He's like, it's funny. It's weird. It's kind of quirky. And I was like, whatever. And he said, but they also have a guy that they want to use. And then a third guy was there at a meeting, and he had a guy he wanted to use, and they all had their videos, and they were all going to show their videos, and they were all going to say, here's my guy, he's better. They all played my video. They had all found oh, out about wow. me from somebody else, and it's so weird. And that's so hilarious. That's a weird, magical thing that... <laughs> that well, I mean, like, it just goes to show, like, you just never know. When you put yourself yeah. out there, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, because you just never know. And set yourself goals, but don't give yourself, like, this ultimatum that's like, okay, if I don't make it in five years, then I'm quitting everything. <laughs> yeah. you might just, if I don't become a billionaire <laughs> next year, I'm right. going back to the bank. Well, if somebody told me that I get to, that you're going to work in a museum before you're 40, I'd be like, no way, because I don't want to work in a museum. I'm not a guy that's like a museum. I'm not smart. I'm not a museum guy. And I didn't know that the American Banjo Museum would be in Oklahoma and be yeah. some, more than just a museum. But also, because of that, I've got to do things I never would have done anywhere. I could have worked on 10 Steve Martin movies and he'd never come by my office and miss me. <laughs> That's what's beautiful about this situation. He came to see you. He came by and I was busy. <laughs> oh, the the but, irony. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening and, and adding this to my he's file. Like, oh, Ross. I'm, I'm going down. I'm going down. But, uh, but I, got to work with, I got to work with my hero. The first, the first entity that I ever heard the banjo from, I got to meet them. They're still my favorite banjo player. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's 2019. It's a little controversial to describe a person this way, but they were famous for being very short and working nude and <laughs> also being a puppet. And ah. uh, you can't say puppet these days. That's true. The correct term is handheld American. Ah, yes. So Kermit the Frog was my, my first uh, inspiration for the banjo. I love the sound of it. And just recently, actually, while we we're having this talk today, a little press <laughs> thing just went out announcing this program we're doing, an education program with the museum that I get to play the banjo with Kermit. And uh, we shot a video together um, that highlights part of it. So when kids, so cool. when kids come to experience this education program, because there's so much ris rich history with where the banjo comes from mm -hmm. and with America and with our influence, and we need to have these conversations and stuff. And, and, uh, Disney and the Muppets granted Kermit to be part of this thing, and it's huge. Oh, that's so And cool. he'll be part of it here in Oklahoma forever. So it's such a cool thing that, wow. that Kermit will be linked to our state. Ugh. And I just love it. And the, the weird thing is, is Jim Henson's parents lived in Meeker, Oklahoma for a time. Oh, so when Heather Henson real? was doing I'm going off on a thing here. No, 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 go ahead. So and this is going to come back to a full circle weird thing. <laughs> so Heather Henson was doing research here years ago about family, for her family uh, tree stuff, and found out that her dad, and they used to come to Oklahoma and do Henson family reunions all the way up through in between the success of Sesame Street and right before the Muppet Show took off. So right that was mid-70s. Wow. Jim would come here for this huge Henson family reunion. He was really big at the time, too, with Sesame Street, getting ready to do the first season of Saturday Night Live. The Muppets, not as we know them, but a <laughs> Muppet incarnation was on Saturday Night Live that first season. Oh, boy, all the guys hated When him. Oscar the Grouch was orange. A, a different, yeah, a, different, a whole different <laughs> show. <laughs> but, uh, but 
Heather came here to do some family research and we connected because we had a mutual friend. I believe it was David Bizarro who we both yeah. know too. Yep. And he, uh, and she and I met and visited and she said, Oh, you work with the banjo museum. I didn't know there was a banjo museum. I've got a banjo. And she had the banjo from the Muppet show that every <gasps> celebrity signed. This is the one that when you heard Holy Kermit play, crap. this is the banjo. She's like, do you guys want it? And I was like, Heather, yes, we do. And I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't work there at the time or anything. I was just kind of like a helper and I did some freelance for them. And I was like, yes, and he should be inducted to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh my he God. He play the banjo. Two years later, he got inducted to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh my <laughs> but God. But mostly because amazing. as a promoter of the instrument, that Heather came, uh, we got to, I got to help hold the, the, the ribbon when they cut the ribbon. And we have Kermit on display holding a little banjo that the Kermit, uh, that the Jim Henson puppet played. And all this was so cool. Uh, and, it, and it has brought so much uh, neat things for people in Oklahoma wouldn't get that anywhere yeah. you can't disney is very uh careful and and protective of kermit as you as they oh, would sure. be he's a very very i mean highly insured <laughs> puppet that we have here with us so go see it if you haven't got a chance to but so while i was talking to heather and i was visiting with her cousins who were here for the for the grand opening and they said you're from a town called minko and i said yeah they're like well jim's dad uh Jim Henson's dad had a farm in Minko. And I said, well, it was Meeker. A lot of people get Minko and Meeker mixed up. And he's like, yeah. no, it was Minko. And I was like, I wish, but it's not. <laughs> and he's like, it was Caddo County. He lived in Meeker, but he had a, he had a couple of farms in Caddo County. And I was like, well, that is near Minko. Well, my grandpa started the business and like, and moved it to the, to the Minko area between 41 and 45 is when it was growing. And so I called my dad and I was like, hey, did did we have, did, did my grandpa, and the way that you did it was you would befriend farmers and you would put bees on their land and it helps them, the pollination of bees. Oh, wow. If you didn't know this, and we've been saying this forever and now the world's <laughs> finally caught up like, hey, bees are important. Um, that's how they all talk. That, <laughs> yeah, bee, bee supporters. Uh -huh. Bees are important. <laughs> uh, we'll change the title of that. Milkshake be important. <laughs> I drink your milkshake because bees are important. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but uh, I called my dad and I said, hey, did, did, did my grandpa put bees on, did, we, did he have bees and work with the farmers in Caddo County? And he's like, yeah, if they had like cotton. And they did. So I'm like 99% sure my grandpa <laughs> and Jim Henson's dad were farming together. My God. This is like in the 40s. And, yeah. and really, like, it's so weird. So it's just these little things that you don't, you I could set out to have tried to do all these things that I've gotten fortunate to fall backwards into and I would have never accomplished any of them. So I'm very just, I'm a very lucky person and I'm fortunate, but uh, I, I continue to try to work hard and I don't take any of it for granted because you don't know what you're going to get to do the next day yeah. or what you're not going to get to do. I don't know if my key is going to work at my office when I get back. So, <laughs> so I got to keep. That's how well, they're going to fire you. Well, that's right. That's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Lucas. Thank you so much for coming oh, on the man. show, dude. Thank it's you. It's been four years in the making. We 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 finally got you, and Lucas Ross. A huge letdown. <laughs> it was the most disappointing episode <laughs> I've ever recorded. I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> I should have lied more. Yes. Okay. Well, where can that, we? By the way, all that stuff is made up. Uh, it's I, all. I, I didn't meet Steve Martin, and I don't play the banjo. Who's Steve Martin? I don't know. I, I don't even know who this Kermit guy is. Okay, I can't go that far. Oh. <laughs> Well, Lucas, where can we find you online for those that want to see Lazy Circles, you know, learn more oh, about man. you? If you go to lucasross.com, 
It's the most self-indulgent website ever. <laughs> you could email me at lucas at lucasross.tv. <laughs> no, um, yeah, lucasross.com and all my stuff is there. And um, if I'm doing a concert or a comedy show or something, and I'd love to come hang out with you and meet you. And I'd love to get to perform with you. And I your, know. I'm a big Ophidelis fan. I mean, I, my Dude. kids know your songs. Like, you've oh, been yay. played in my household a lot, so oh, it's yay. cool. Well, we're huge fans of you, man. We're going to have to collaborate sometime. I agree. Do, do a I show agree. Together. All right, guys, Lucas Ross, thanks so much for coming on the show, dude. Thank you, Okie Show Show. And we'll see you guys in the next two weeks. Bye. The Okie Show Show is a mostly harmless media podcast recorded at Tower Studios in Oklahoma City. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If you're a business or industry professional that would like to advertise on the podcast, email info at okishowshow.com. Rates starting as low as $25. I've been listening to your opening um, song, the jingle is really catchy. Is that you? Is that all your voices? It's all me. It's really good. It doesn't have enough banjo. If there is ah. banjo, it's a very... And I know you're a banjo player. That's true. Um, but I was thinking, like, what if you did, like, a... Okie show show. Okie show show. Just that.